What? Hallelujah. So we're going to be speaking today concerning what the number eight means in scripture. You know, and so with no further ado, let's jump right in. All right. Number eight is Shimone, you know, in the Hebrew. It's number 8083. And it's from 8082 through the idea of plumpness. You know, um, it, it uh so it has a connotation of abundance, you know. Now it also speaks to the cardinal number eight. Um as if a surplus above the perfect seven or C7 is completeness and perfection or completeness in uh in in Hebrew and in Yah's in Yah's view of things, you know, his calendar is based off of a series of sevens, you know, and so seven is the end, you know, it's the completeness, it's the perfection and you know, uh, it's where the blessing um, is, you know, but the number eight is seven and one, you know, and so that said, it speaks of a second generation or it denotes a rebirth or a renewal or something being born again, you know, and this concept is evident in scripture as well. Um, so we're going to consider what happens after the seventh day. So if we go to uh, Genesis 2, 1 through 5, it speaks about the seventh day. Let me have my first reader read Genesis 2, 1 through 5, please. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, Elohim ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And Elohim blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which Elohim created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created, in the day that Yahuwah Elohim made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For Yahuwah Elohim had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. Hallelujah. Okay, so we see here it speaks about the seventh day, and the seventh day is associated with, with uh, what Elohim ends, you know, and, and um, it's, it's associated with, you know, when he rested. You know, or arrest and what he blessed and his sanctification or holiness. You know, but uh I want you to pay close attention to verse five, you know, for it says, you know, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth. You know, so two four starts over again, you know, uh, and it says uh so these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created and then then verse five speaks about this this during a time when um concerning every plant of the field before it was in the earth before it grew elohim had not caused it to rain and there was not a man anybody with me mm -hmm. all right so 
take note that this is what uh, this was the end of what happened in the beginning. Amen. So now let us consider the new or next beginning. So we'll pick it up with Genesis 2, 6 through 9. And then we're going to jump down to Genesis 2, 19. And then we're going to jump down to Genesis 2, 22. My next reader, please. Genesis 2, 6 through 9. But there went up a mist, mist from the earth, and watered the whole face of the ground. And Yahuwah Elohim formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And Yahuwah Elohim planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made Yahuwah Elohim to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2.19, and out of the ground Yahuwah Elohim formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them, and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Genesis 2.22, and the rib which Yahuwah Elohim had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Okay, so now you got to kind of really, really know uh, Genesis to really see this, you know, um, you know, off the top. You know, but uh, after I tell you, you'll be able to see it um, quite plainly. You know, but um, actually, you know, like this is actually, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure everybody is acquainted that this is like a repeat of what happened in days one through seven, except for it's in reverse order. Hmm. You know, starts out the same with the water. And so we see that he watered the face of the ground, but in the beginning, you know, um, it was all about the face of the deep. Remember? Mm-hmm. You know, and now during the first account, see, and I, I believe God does that. He did did it like this so that you could recognize that this was something new. You know, that this was not the same old thing um, that he had just went over. You know, but this is a renewal. This is something different. You know, for in the in create during the creation week he made man last but we see right here in genesis 2 7 it's the first thing he done you know he says and and yahuwah elohim formed man and breathed into his nostrils the man became a living soul so that was the last thing he done you know um in the cre- during the creation week right you know and you know prior to to uh creating man he had he had uh, made things grow up out the ground, but we see that doesn't happen until after man was uh, uh, formed. In verse 8, we see he planted a garden, and there he put the man, and out of the ground, Yahuwah made, uh, Yahuwah Elohim made Yahuwah Elohim and grow every tree. Mm. You know, and so here it is, we see this stuff, this stuff coming after, you know, created man. And then um, 2.19 you know, after he formed man, then in 2.19, we see he formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air. And then he he ends it, you know, kind of the same way with um, he did, you know, in the first creation week, you know, he ends it with woman. 
you know, and the rib which Yahuwah Elohim had taken from man, made he a woman, you know, and so we see, you know, we can see that it's a pattern of the same, but we can see that he changed it up. You know, we can see it is a renewal, you know, and, and that's that's the uh, point that I'm that I'm trying to show, you know, because this would would have been like the eighth day mm -hmm. that all this started. Because after the seventh day comes what? The eighth day. Exactly. You know, now because um, the number eight speaks to rebirth, rebirthing and you know, renewal. We see something very revelatory in the circumcision. Mm. Because scripture teaches us something about the circumcision. That's and that is that it's associated with the number eight. Mm. In Genesis 17, 3 through 7, you know, we read, and Abram fell on his face, and Elohim talked with him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And of course, Abraham means, you know, father of many nations, you know. And now, mind you, you know, speaking of, uh, we were talking about uh, peculiar folks, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, here it is, uh, you know, Abraham's going around calling himself a father of many nations, and he just barely had one child. <laughs> you know, right, say lot. You know, uh, verse six, and I will make make thee exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a a Elohim unto thee and to thy seed after thee. You know, and then if we jump down to verse 10, it says, this is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man among you shall be circumcised and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man, child in your generations, he that is born in a house or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. And so here it is, we see the covenant is very much associated with the number eight, because after this day, you know, every male child that came from, from Abraham was to be circumcised on the eighth day. Amen. Amen. And so one of the things I want to, some of the things actually I want to point out, you know, with this passage is how it speaks to rebirth or renewal. You know, first of all, we see Abram getting a name change. See that? You know, um, now this means something, you know, because this name change is in conjunction with his covenant, which is in conjunction uh, with circumcision which is in conjunction with the eighth day. Now, I want you to pay close attention to what this covenant does. Anybody, can anybody tell me what the covenant does? 
Either or. Physical circumcision? Cutting away? No. Nobody? Don't look back here. Look at the text. It's, 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 it's in the text. He tells you. You don't have to guess. It's there. What you say, Alicia? Even though you're guessing, you are correct. No, yeah, but <laughs> you had that look on your face, like, <laughs> you know? but that is correct. You know, you see, right in verse seven, he says, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed, you know, um, as an everlasting covenant. Why? To be a Elohim unto thee and to thy seed. So the whole point of entering into this covenant with, with Yah is so that he will be your Elohim. He's not just going to be anybody and everybody Elohim. Amen? Right. But he's not going to be your Elohim if you're not circumcised. Amen? Yeah. You know, and this is very important, you know, to understand because it still goes for today because it's an everlasting covenant and Yah doesn't change. Amen? Okay. You know, so he says... He needs you to be circumcised if you want him to be your Elohim. Amen? What are you circumcising? The flesh of your foreskin. You know, so from Abram receiving a new identity or characterization, you know, this is what the name involves. It, it involves, um, it speaks to a new identity or a new characterization. So, you know, you get a name change, you get a character change. Amen? Because names mean things, you know, and it speaks to the character, authority, and reputation of a thing. So you get a name change, you get a characterization change, you know, you get a change in authority, you get a change in reputation because your reputation is going to be based upon your character. Amen. Yeah. You know, now it says, you know, uh, I have you have from Auburn receiving a new identity or characterization and a new covenant or circumcision, you know along with the command to circumcise every newborn on the eighth day, the date of rebirthing or, or renewal, you know, it paints a vivid picture of a new birth or being born again, emerging, you know? So if we look, you know, um, back at, if we look back at Aaron, we can see here uh, a spiritual picture being painted of him being born again. You know, he's being, he's been fathered from above. He's been, he's been born again. He's, he, he's being going from Abram and being born into Abraham. You know, and Abraham, you know, brings on a whole new characterization because he's not just, you know, um, a father of a nation, but he's a father of many nations now. You know, yeah, you know, you don't see it yet, but it happens. It's in the story. Read it. You know, and this happens because of the covenant that was established with Abraham, you know, whereby Elohim became, or Yahuwah became his, his Elohim. Amen? Yeah. You know, so uh, when one is truly fathered from above, from, you know, or born again, something has got to change. <clears throat> you cannot be fathered from above, you cannot be born again 
and nothing changes. Mm -hmm. Something has got to change and that something has to start anew. And that something is one's life. So in order for you to be father from above, born again, then you, your life must change. It must start anew. But in what aspect? For we see no sign of death concerning Abram. You know, Yah's covenant of circumcision being received at the time of Abram's name or identity change teaches us that the true rebirthing of an individual should entail a change of identity or character. So you don't have to die per se, but your character must change. You know, in addition, you know, to a removal of the fleshly covering from one's loins or from one's mind, you know, because the circumcision is that of the loins, but the loins speak to the mind. We read this in 1 Kephas 1.13. It says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Yahushua Mashiach. So I want you to be able to see that in order for the number eight to be revelatory in your life, you know, in order for you to be a type of number eight, you have to be changed. You know, you have to have a rebirthing. You know, it has to be a change in your life to where your character began to change. You begin to lose your fleshly covering from off your mind. Yes, yes. You know, so... You know, and because Yah is not going to be your Elohim if he can't be the one that covers you. Because remember, he teaches that he is a jealous El. Right. Hence, you are to have no other Elohim before him. Mm -hmm. This means not your mother, not your father, not your sister, not your brother. You know, it's him and him alone has to, yeah. he has to come first. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, he has to be your cover, you know. And so this is what the circumcision is a picture of. It's a picture of removing all the mental coverings of your flesh or fleshly coverings, if you would. You know, whether it's, it's your employer, your employment, you know, uh, whatever it is you trust in, you know, that's a type of covering for you. You know, and what Yah is saying, it has to be him. He's saying it has to be him. He has to be, be your ultimate cover. You have to trust in him. You know, and so uh, it is due to this removal of the fleshly coverings from the loins of one's mind or heart. That is the token or sign of Yah's covenant. Whereby he promises to be an Elohim unto thee. Without this removal of these fleshly coverings, he won't be your Elohim. You can call him your Elohim and you can act like he's your Elohim, but in reality, he won't be your Elohim. Mm -hmm. And we know this is true because you later read that the circumcision is in reference to the heart. Right. It wasn't just about flesh. Right. You know, in Deuteronomy 16, you know, uh, and a lot of people don't even know this is here. But in Deuteronomy 16, it says, circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. Mm. See, this is what it means to be circumcised 
it means to have Yah as your true covering, you know, and it means to adhere to the things that he says. You know, and not trust in your own understanding mm -hmm. or not trust in some other Elohim or some other judge or ruler. Mm. Say lie. Yeah. Can't trust in any other judge or ruler, such as the judges and rulers of the world. You have to only trust in Yah. That's it. If yeah. not, then you're not circumcised. Mm. And if you're not circumcised, Yah can't be your Elohim because you're not in covenant. Amen? Amen. I pray you can see that. Yep. Let me have my next reader read Romans 2, 25 through 29 because um, Apostle Paul quotes Deuteronomy 10, 16 and he expounds on it a little more. For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, Thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Hmm. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not this uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it be, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the Ruach and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of Elohim. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So see, Apostle Paul is he's, he's teaching. He's saying for circumcision, profit of nothing if you're going to be stiff-necked. Mm -hmm. Well, he said, if thou keep the law, but same thing. You know, if you're going to be disobedient to your judge, your ruler, then circumcision doesn't profit you because he's not your judge or your ruler because you're not doing what he says. So you know, by default, you're not, he, he's not judging over you. He's not ruling over you. Because if he was ruling over you and he was your judge, then you'd be doing what he said. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. You know, and he, he goes on to speak about the Gentiles. He says, therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of Torah, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? So what he's saying is, you know, never mind whether or not he has the foreskin, you know, if he has the foreskin removed from his, the loins of his mind, whereby he adhered to all the written word of Elohim, his uncircumcision will be counted for circumcision. You know, and he says, shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature and fit fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision does transgress Torah. You know, and he goes on to speak about how Yahudim is one inwardly. Yahudim, confessor of Yah. If you truly confess Yah is your Elohim, you know, then, you know, that has to take place inwardly. That means you have to adhere to him inwardly as well as outwardly. 
you know, and a true Yahudim confesses Yah through and through. And the circumcision is that of the heart. It cuts away any and everything that tries to cover yes. you outside of Yah. Amen? Amen. You know, and in case anyone's wondering, this is how one is born of the water. Say mm. Yeah. So we spoke about the circumcision of the heart, you know, and the number eight being seven and one, you know, so I want you to think about it, you know, in, in this sense, you know, here it is, you know, you just, you know, you're born into this world and you're living, you're living in the flesh, you know, and then one day you hear of Yah and you accept him and you want to enter into covenant with him, you know. And when you do so, you know, he adds himself to you. So the seven speaks to your fleshly life, you know, up until a point. And then Yah covenants with you, you become one with him. And so you become seven and one or eight. A new beginning starts yes. for you. You become born again. There's a new birth that takes place. You get a new character and that character is going to be formulated by the word you know and so this was to happen very early on for someone who was born into the world you know such as a yahoo if you were a child of a yahoo then you know right away you know the first eight or first chance to be rebirthed or have a new beginning started is to start immediately, you know, after the seventh day, you know, even as it did in the beginning. Say loud. Mm -hmm. Now that said, we're talking about circumcision of the heart. Let's let's um consider King David because he was known to be a man after Yah's own heart. You know, another way of saying that is saying he was circumcised of the heart. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. You know, um, and if this is the case, we're going to find the number eight in, in his story. And sure, surely we do. We do. Let me have my next reader um, read First Samuel 17, 12 through 14, please. Now, David was the son of the Ephraim. Ephrathite of Bethlehem Yehuda. Bethlehem Yehuda, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And the man went among them, for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of the, his three sons that went to the battle of Elab the firstborn, and the next unto him, the Benadab, and the third Shema. And David was the youngest, and three eldest followed Saul. Hallelujah. Okay, so here it is. We see um, that David was was the youngest of eight. So that means he was the eighth son. Amen? Amen. So he's the number eight. And again, we see the number eight speaking to new birth or new beginnings and um at least new birth or new beginnings in yah choosing and, and yah choosing david the eighth youngest son of 
Jesse, whose name translates to I am. Mm -hmm. You know, how you like that? <laughs> you know, David, the son of I am, you know. You know, uh, man, the word is just good like that, you know. So here it is. We see David, the beloved son of I am. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, that that's enough to give you chills right there. You know, he speaks. He's the eighth. He speaks to a new beginning, a new birth, you know, um, and thereby it indicates that there was a, a rebirth or a renewal to take place. You know when when samuel anointed him you know and truly there was for david who's from the type tribe of yahuda were to become king it would not only speak to a new king over israel but also a new royal bloodline mm -hmm. you know because um kings you know the, the kings was uh, uh lineage based you know, so it was just passed on through the through the um, through the lineage from son from father to son, father to son, father to son. You know, all through the same bloodline. You know, so it was a royal royal bloodline, but that bloodline was about to be changed. So Saul didn't just lose the uh, the kingship. You know, he lost it for all of his progeny. Yeah, yeah, which is huge. Say a lot. You know. So therefore, we can conclude that by Yah choosing David, the number eight, the eighth, he is stating that Benjamin, that is the son of his right hand, who who is Saul or desiring, the son of his right hand that 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 is desiring or desires, uh, reign must cease, and that the king of Israel must be rebirthed or born again as um, David, or David, the son of I am. You know, so he had to be born again of Jesse or born again of I am, which of course speaks to Yah, you know, Elohim, you know, with a character change, you know. So he's not, not only have to be rebirthed again of I am, but he's rebirthed with a character change. He's going from, you know, King is now going from de desiring, from, from letting his desires rule over him to becoming beloved letting love rule over mm -hmm. for having a heart um for having a heart after yah's own this is what it leads to which in turn um because yah is love so he's yeah. gonna have a heart after love as yah does which in turn hints at david being an example of one born again with a circumcised heart you know i pray that you can see this yeah, you know yeah. um but it's a beautiful picture that's being painted here yeah. you know uh, of one being born again with a circumcised heart, David, the man after Yah's own heart. You know, and what is what is showing is the king being born again, the king of Israel or the rulers of Israel being getting a rebirth, and so they're not ruling over Israel just to obtain their desires. Now they're ruling over Israel. You know. Um, as the son of the great I am, you know, to satisfy love. Yes. You know, big difference, right? Yeah. You know, because your uh, flesh is what longs and desires for things. You know, so you see uh, 
a picture of being born from the flesh into into one that's just seeking to satisfy Yah. Yes. Then we have King Josiah or King Yoshiah or Yoshiyahu, if you would, you know. And this was the boy king. You know, he began to reign at eight years old. <laughs> you know, yeah, he began to reign at eight years old, you know, and so his his uh, reign is, is undoubtedly and always stamped with the number eight, you know, so we can expect to see a renewal or rebirthing, you know, uh, you know, aspect in his story as well. And surely we do. Um, the story of Josiah, it's, it starts off with him, of course, uh, being crowned king at eight, you know, but he gets to the point to where he tears clothes and responds with despair, you know, um, and see the need for repentance, you know, because, you know, one of the first things he did was start, you know, repairing the temple. You know, hallelujah. He started, one of the first things he did was start repairing the house of Elohim, repairing the temple, you know, and in doing so, uh, a book of Torah, Torah was found in the temple. And he had them read Torah to him. And when he read, when they read Torah to him, he broke down in tears, you know, and he knew why they were in the shape that they were in, mm -hmm. you know. Now, and he was the, actually the son of one of the most wicked kings <laughs> Israel experienced, you know, which was Manasseh, you know. But to Manasseh's credit, he did repent. He did repent in the end, and he he he, he wrote a beautiful prayer, beautiful prayer, you know, to Yah, you know, in his repentance, and and Yah heard him, you know. But Josiah, you know, he learned and he, he seen why Yahuda was in the shape that it was. And he responded with despair and saw the need for repentance. And he repented. And boy, did he repent. Mm -hmm. You know, um, talk about being father from above, you know, talk about being, you know, how we, we see people come in and we say, oh, they're on fire. <laughs> yeah, Josiah was on fire for Yah. Yes. You know, um, and so he was, after he heard this in Torah, he was he was pretty certain, like, like this is why we're so messed up. This is why we're so screwed up, because Yah is against us. His wrath is upon us, right. you know, and so he sent for confirmation, you know, to the prophetess, you know, and he sent to Holda, the, the prophetess, you know, and she confirmed, you know, and her message confirmed the truth about Torah and confirmed the need for repentance and foretold that judgment would still come to Yahudah because of disobedience and idolatry, you know, uh, times past, you know, um, you know, pre before him, mm. you know, and stated that Yah acknowledged Josiah's repentance. Mm. And as a result, you know, he won't allow his eyes to see all the disaster. Mm. You know, it wouldn't happen during his time. He would yeah. give him peace, mm. you know, and so that was that was beautiful, you know. Uh, but he really had a heart for Yah like none other, 
you know, so much so we find these words recorded concerning him in Second uh, Kings 23, 21 through 25. My next reader, please. And the king commanded all the people saying, keep the Passover unto Yahuwah your Elohim as it is written in the book of this covenant. Surely there was not holding such a Passover from the days of the judges that judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel, nor of the kings of Yehudah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, wherein this Passover was holding to Yahuwah in Jerusalem, moreover, the workers with familiar spirits in the and the wizards and the images and the idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Yehudah and in Jerusalem did Josiah put away that he might perform the words of the law which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of Yehudah or Yehuah. And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to Yahuwah with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moshe? Neither after him arose there any like him. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. You know, so, you know, he really, he really pulled out all the stops. You know, this statement set Josiah apart, you know, that, that we might know what it takes to attain the rebirth of the word of Elohim, mm -hmm. you know, and that is you have to do so. You have to turn to Yah with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, mm -hmm. you know, and this is what he did. And he he did, you know, it's, it's, he did obtain a rebirthing of the word of Elohim, yet he didn't attain the rebirth of the ruler. And we, you know, this is not too hard to figure out because we, we read later, it says in 1 Kings 23, 26, and 27, notwithstanding, Yahuwah turned not from his fierce, from the fierceness of his great wrath, wherewith his anger was kindled against Yahuwah because of all the provocations that Manasseh had provoked him withal. And Yahuwah said, I will remove Yahuwah also out of my sight as I have removed Israel mm. and cast off this city Jerusalem which I have chosen and the house of which I said my name shall be there and then if we go to uh second chronicles 35 20 through 23 it really puts the icing on the cake <clears throat> it says you know after all this you know because Josiah done a lot of great stuff you know um so it even emphasizes that after all this, when Josiah had prepared temple, Necho, king of Mitzrayim, came up to fight against Carchemish um, by Euphrates. And Josiah went out against him. And he sent ambassadors to him saying, what have I to do with thee, thou king of Yahuda? I come not against thee this day, but against the house wherewith I have war. For Elohim commanded me to make haste, forbear thee from meddling with Elohim who is with me, that he destroy thee not. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, mm -hmm. but disguised himself that he might fight with him, and hearken not unto the words of Necho from the mouth of Elohim, mm -hmm. and came to fight in the valley of Megiddo, mm -hmm. and the archer shot at King Yos Josiah, um, or Yosiah, 
And the king said to his servants, have me away for I am sore wounded mm -hmm. and he would die. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, he was birthed from, from the word, but not from the Ruach, mm -hmm. you know, and I want you to uh, consider Mark 12, 28 through 34, because it actually, it actually quotes, you know, it's a um, quotes that passage as well as uh, Deuteronomy 6, 5, you know, let me have my next reader read Mark 12, 28 through 34. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Yahushua answered him, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, Yahuwah our Elohim is one and nine. And thou shalt love Yahuwah thy Elohim with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one Elohim, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Yahushua saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of Elohim, and no man after that durst ask him any question. Mm. Hallelujah. Okay, so you know, for, for one, you know, you wanna you wanna recognize that Yahshua is dropping major hint right here, you know, saying, you know, hey, you get this far you'd be pretty close to the kingdom of Elohim, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, the only thing that he needed to do was accept him as, as his out of nine savior and he would have been good, yeah. you know, but one of the things that I wanted to point out, you know, here with, uh, Josiah, you know, is the fact that, um, he did not do the second greatest command. He only did the first, you know, and that is he loved Yahuwah with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his mind and with all his strength. But what he didn't do is love his neighbor as, as himself. Yeah. And this is why we see him, you know, uh, going against the word of Elohim to fight against the king of Mitzrayim. Yeah. Even though, um, and I meant to put the passage up here, but I guess it, um, I forgot, but you know, and the passage that I wanted to put up there is in Torah, it tells us don't hate um, Mitzrayim. Mm -hmm. Don't don't hate the Mitzrayim because yeah. you were once uh, slaves in their land. Yeah. You know, wow. you, you had to dwell in their land. So it, it tells you don't hate them. You know, also it tell you don't don't hate Edom because he's your brother. Yeah. You know, you know, so but this is what Josiah did. He was he had hatred against against uh, Misraim, you know, which is obvious because God is telling him, you know, not to go and fight with this guy. 
And not only does does he disobey, he even disguised himself to do so. Right. You know, trying to be slick like you're going out on um, smart yacht. <laughs> you know, and so it became his demise. You know, and so that's, you know, yeah, don't learn a lesson from this guy. You know, <laughs> don't do that. Right. You know, and and so we can see he didn't love his neighbor as himself. Mm. You know, and we know he knew how to consult with the prophets. Yeah. You know, so I'm pretty certain that, you know, if he didn't, he should have, you know, mm -hmm. asked him, you know, hey, is this true what he's saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, so they, there you have it. You know, he did the first greatest command, but not the second. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you do them both and accept Yahshua as your Adonai and Savior, that's what gets you into the kingdom. Yeah. Because actually, Torah teaches you how to do the first part, but it, you know, Yahshua teaches you how to do the second part. That's where Yahshua's commandments come in. That they teach you how to love your neighbor as yourself. Selah. And then we have the King of Kings. Of course, uh, Yahushua Hamashiach. And in Luke 9, 23-29, it says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever lose it his life for my sake shall the same shall save it. But what is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Mm. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words of him shall the son of man be ashamed and he shall come in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of Elohim. And then it tells us in verse 28, and it came to pass about in eight days after these sayings, he took Kephas and Yochanan and Yaakov and went up into the mountain and prayed. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. And his raiment was white and glistening, mm -hmm. you know, and this occurring eight days after being told that some will see the kingdom of Elohim indicates that not only did they witness the kingdom of Elohim, but they also witnessed the spiritual birth of Yahushua. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so say loud on that. Mm. That's all I have for you. Pray oh, yeah. 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 Yeah.